I guess, I guess we're live now, I guess. <laughs> it seems like we are. Uh, yes, unfortunately. So this is the Misery Movies podcast. Uh, this is our 10th episode. Uh, the <laughs> so the for any new listener we might have, which I, I mean, in order for someone would to be listening to us at all, we would have to have a new listener. Uh, basically, the, this is a film podcast, and we discuss movies about human suffering. That's why it's misery movies. Uh, these are generally depressing or cynical or sad or disturbing films. And uh, yeah, because we're depressing, sad, cynical, disturbing individuals. So I am joined by our two usual contributors, podcasters, whatever, here. Uh, Sarah. Hello. And AJ. Hey. And I'm Will. I guess I should introduce myself. I don't know. Who cares? Who even gives a shit, really? But anyway, <laughs> today we're going to be discussing the movie Under the Skin, which is a 2014, I think, science fiction movie. <laughs> I guess it's a science fiction movie. It's a sort of experimental sci-fi film starring Scarlett Johansson and a bunch of dudes with really strong Scottish accents. <laughs> so um, we're going to, to give our one hypothetical listener a sense of how the podcast works, uh, each episode is split into two sections, two halves. In the first half, we talk about the movie in general and we steer clear of spoilers. So we have a spoiler free first half of the podcast that ultimately leads to us giving our review of the film or our reviews of the film, since we may disagree and probably will. And then after that, the second half, we do a deeper dive into the film. We do get into spoilers. We do get into, um, you know, we'll take individual scenes apart and so on. So uh, with that in mind, did anyone um, have a sense of where what they wanted to start with for this podcast, this episode, how you wanted to start the discussion? I think, do we want to give a little bit of a plot explainer here to begin with? Mm. I mean, it's a we... little hard to describe the plot. The I guess. plot, yeah. I mean, because of the way <laughs> the a, film a, yeah. is shot and structured, it doesn't have much exposition. This isn't a plot-heavy film, really. It's not a film that tells you everything you need to know off the bat. A lot of what's going on you learn, uh, not even through dialogue, just by watching the characters mm -hmm. behave. And by, it's a very visual film. It's very much in the style of um, the director. It was, it reminded me most of actually is Tarkovsky because it's, you have a lot of really long meditative shots. You have this real like sense that you're like being gradually immersed in the film. Like the film is a swamp that you're just sinking into uh, over the course of the movie. 
but to give a broad sense of what's going on, basically, Scarlett Johansson plays some kind of alien life form who's hunting, um, who's hunting men, <laughs> who's using her sexuality basically to hunt men in uh, in the kind of uh, working class Scotland, and uh, she's disguised as a human female. I guess that but using the sexuality thing doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense <laughs> if she looks like an alien, but this could be one of those tentacle things, but it's not, it's not one of those tentacle <laughs> things. So. so yeah, that's a broad outline to say anything more than that would almost be a spoiler, I think. So uh, anyone have a sense of where they'd want to start this discussion? Mm. A long pause. I'm trying to think of a good. Of a good are we are we going to start with penises? I feel like we might as well. Just I, I kind of I really wanted to. Anyway. I'm trying to be mature. Now, yeah. Why be mature? This isn't a mature podcast. Did you listen to our last episode? <laughs> <laughs> so. But uh, no, there are a lot of very, very erect dicks in this movie. And well, there aren't that many erect penises, but well, there's a felt like a significant lot. number of penises in this movie. I think that's a um, factual. I mean, none of them are all that impressive either. Sometimes it went all. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the amount of, a lot of penises in this movie is what causes me to classify this movie as a horror movie. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought the Scottish accents would have done that. So I do want still, to talk. <laughs> I understood very little when there actually was dialogue. I understood Scarlett Johansson, but I didn't really understand anybody else half the time. And I think that but was I, intentional. And I want to talk about that in just a minute because I think that's actually mm. important. Uh, but I do want to, AJ, before the drop here, AJ did mention she wanted to say something about the penises in the film. So I want to get the juvenilia out of the way and then we can <laughs> dive into the film. I would like to say about the penises that I didn't like them. That's it. That was the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. I mean, to the film's credit, it, everything is very tastefully shot and it's not mm. a very sexy film. I mean, so I almost didn't watch this film initially. Uh, I have, you know, okay, okay. So here's the thing. I, I am a snob, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a snob, and one of my snobby habits is uh, at the end of every year, Metacritic publishes its, like, aggregation of film critics top 10 lists and I always go down that and try to watch as many of the films as I possibly can and this one came was on that list and I looked it up and I kind of read a quick plot synopsis sort of like what I gave a couple minutes ago and mm -hmm. I thought that this was going to be an erotic film and I thought it was going to be like basically an art house version of species that's what it sounded like to me <laughs> Uh, and I thought, <laughs> I don't want to watch, like, you know, basically, you know, um, you know, a, a more porn. sophisticated pornography sci-fi, pornographic sci-fi film, which is what I thought. I honestly thought this was going to be, like, a mix of, like, one of those French 
movie movies, you know, that like if they were an American film, everyone would just admit that it's basically softcore pornography and trash. But because everyone's, you know, because it's subtitled, people are like, oh, this is a sophisticated <laughs> exploration of human sexuality. Uh, you know, where it's like some fucking, you know, middle-aged guy getting it on with his fiance's daughter or something. Although that is the, uh, that is the plot of Lolita, which is one of the greatest novels of all time. But it, these, anyway, these, so I thought it was going to be that mixed with like fe- species, which it was called feces. <laughs> <laughs> which if you haven't seen it, and I actually haven't seen it, I've seen bits and pieces of it, is a really slocky 90s sci-fi flick where, was it Natasha Hens- Hens- Natasha Henstridge or was some like, you know, hmm. generic blonde supermodel plays this alien who basically comes to earth and seduces men and eats them. And when I saw the plot synopsis of this or like the quick plot overview, I thought, Oh, it's that, you know, but probably with lens flares or something. And this is absolutely not that this is not an erotic film at all. In fact, this is one of, this is a deeply, I think, unsexy film. And a film that's really has some pretty antagonistic feelings, I think, about human sexuality. <laughs> uh, and maybe we can discuss that later. But it does, however, have quite a few penises in them. And some of them are indeed erect, which is very unusual for a film that isn't pornographic. But the way it was shot, as I said, really um, looks almost more like. Oh, I don't know, like an art exhibit or like uh, <laughs> a piece of, um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't look pornographic, though, that's for sure. Uh, did anyone else want to jump in here? AJ? No, I mean, <laughs> I, I agree with all of that. And I... I mean, if there were penises in a movie, I would prefer that they were not pornographic to pornographic. But I would so this, also prefer no penises to any penises. <laughs> <laughs> so you you agree then that this is a not a sexy film? Oh yeah, all. absolutely. And okay. you and you can tell watching it that like, not only is it not intended as a sexy film, but it's intended to be not a sexy film. Right. It's supposed to be almost like you know people talk about whether something is sex positive or not this film to me struck me as being profoundly sex negative this is actually even with the erect penises um is one of the most sex negative films i've probably ever seen yeah and that's something to its credit yeah i agree (laughs) sarah did you want to jump in here no, I, I do agree. There was nothing sexy about this, even with Scarlett Johansson being naked occasionally. Right. Um, yeah, because it was always, you always know what's, well, I, I guess that's wrong to say you always know what's going to happen, but you know that these guys are going to their doom. You don't know what exactly happens to them, but you know they're all, they're turned on, they keep walking towards her. I guess they, they don't see what's really happening to them. 
Yeah. So there's, no, there's absolutely nothing. And plus the guys just are usually kind of, some of them are nice, but you know what I mean? Yeah, they're not. You're they're not like, lazy. Oh, yeah. yeah, you don't Yeah, you don't want to actually see anything happen with her. Right. <laughs> a lot of the guys you see in the film are basically sleazy pickup artist guys. Mm-hmm. But the, the little, the inversion here is that she's her own kind of, pickup artist except <laughs> she yeah. has very different intentions you know <laughs> i love um it's really funny whenever she meets a new guy in this film because she these questions she's asking you can tell the guys are taking them as being flirtatious but she's really trying to determine basically whether or not they're a good victim she asks like mm-hmm. oh are you are you alone <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm alone." Yeah, and, it's, and, the thing is, and it's she's alive. really like, "Is anyone going to know? Like, do you have family? Is anyone going to notice that you're gone? Where are you going? Is anyone waiting for you?" And they're like, "Oh, nobody's waiting for me, baby." <laughs> <laughs> and it's this very like calculating appraisal, and and she does it in this really like cold monotone too. Even when she's like trying to be flirtatious, she, she's like. You know, oh, it's like, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but, you know, she might compliment them like, oh, you look nice or whatever. But it's like deadpan, you know, and they're like, yeah, baby, you look pretty sweet. <laughs> and it's like, they, it's like if they were even making any attempt to praise her as a human being, you know, they, they'd know that something was deeply fucking wrong. <laughs> but it, it is really interesting, though the way those interactions work uh, like you know because she scarlett johansson's performance here is so like amazingly effective at communicating like her alienness you know her inhumanity and so you'd have to be pretty oblivious walking in, which all of these guys are walking are pretty self-interested or pretty focused on what you want to get out of it to not pick up how completely cold she is. Uh, but the movie does a great job of like juggling that of making it so that you understand what the men who are being lured into this situation are thinking and you also understand what her calculation is. And it's a cal- at least at the beginning of the film, it's very much a matter of calculation, right? She's, she's basically a predator, right? And not like a predator in the sense of like, you know, to catch a predator, you know, because it, it's not an emotional thing. It's not an irrational emotional thing. It's like, you know, a, a, a predatory animal sizing up prey that belongs to totally different species you know there's it's not like oh i have these passionate feelings or anything and and you're that kind of like oh i just can't help but molest these kids you know because i get overwhelmed you know it's not like that at all it's like it's like you know an animal stalking its prey in fact there are all these scenes inside from the inside of her, she, she drives around a white windowless van, by the way, which if, if there was a, a gender reversal here, like, I don't know about you, how many of you would get into a white windowless van that pulls up along the side of the road and has some guy in it who's like, are you alone? Is anyone waiting for you? I mean, 
I think Will might do that. You know, <laughs> if, if I had to walk otherwise, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and throughout this, there was only, I think, one character who was a little bit uncomfortable. And it was the deformed guy. And I think it was just because he was deformed and he wasn't used to people being nice to him. Yeah, I don't want to Nothing. go too deep into no. that scene in the first part of the podcast, uh, but we can actually probably discuss that scene in detail in the second half. There was actually one of the guys early on gets away because he's not interested in her, really, yeah. because he really does just want to get to – like she's trying to seduce him, and he's like, well – you know, I was trying to get to the supermarket. Like, this isn't the way to, <laughs> like, like take me to the supermarket. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but. I would like to return to the point you were making about how there's a bunch of scenes from the inside of her van looking yes. out towards people. That struck me as absolutely brilliant what did you like i have a couple of things to say about this but what did you really like about the that there those... are so many of those scenes it it feels like throughout the movie but that might just be because somehow in like almost every scene like you said it's very meditative and visual but it it sort of messes with time a little bit of it just seems to take forever almost for anything to happen and you sit wherever you sit and you watch the movie and you see the scene where she's looking out of her van towards just random people and whenever like in other movies that I've seen whenever there's a scene that goes through like montages of random people there's there's some sort of connection that the director is trying to make or make you feel mm -hmm. some sort of like specific feeling but all you feel when you like see the random people is this sort of disassociated type of um they seem alien, right? Yeah, exactly. And they like, seem alien. Feel that you can feel that like explicitly, right? Which is astonishing, I think. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I want to give Sarah a chance to jump in before I go off on a tangent about this. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot to add to that. Actually, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head because it, it does. You're very aware that she's not human and that she's not like anybody else. And nobody else seems to be able to figure that out because she's pretty and she's a woman and she looks sexual. And that's all they want from her. Even though, but like, her mannerisms and the way she presents exactly. herself are in no way, like, <laughs> like, no sense of sexual interest at all. She's very and aloof. <laughs> but she's dressed hookerish, yeah. so. <laughs> she, and I think that was intentional. But I know in yeah. that scene where she was shopping, she was going for not, like, super, super hoey but i think yeah but also like winter appropriate <laughs> yeah yeah but um I, I i actually really like those shots too when they're focusing on the people outside mm -hmm. and her kind of stalking <laughs> i really enjoyed it 
So those scenes were, it was just really well done. Again, like you said, it wasn't what I expected from this movie either. And I hate to say it, but also being a Scarlett Johansson film, I did expect to be more sexualized and just, yeah, just different. Yeah, less because... complicated. Right, right. Which, I mean, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson is actually an incredibly talented actress, but, mm. she's, you know, she's gotten... Well, her movies she, are hitting this. She's but. crossed that unfortunate movie star Rubicon where, like, this, this especially unfortunately happens to female actresses, where, like, she happens to be very conventionally attractive, and she happens to be a very talented actress. And the latter, I think, was getting her a lot of the early roles in her career, but since she distinguished herself, She's now being offered a lot of movie star roles. And unfortunately, if you're a female, that usually means highly sexualized nonsense, like Ghost in the Shell or like that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get into the Marvel thing because my disdain for the Marvel movies <laughs> could consume a whole podcast. But, but anyway, I did want to go back to what you guys were talking about, about those scenes that are from the inside of the van from her perspective, because this movie does something that very few other movies about alien life forms that I've seen have done, in that it not only consistently makes Scarlett, jo Scarlett Johansson's character look and seem totally alien, but it also makes, it also has a lot of shots. In fact, the, pro the vast majority of the film is from her alien perspective and what what happens is the earth ends up seeming a hell of a lot like an alien landscape and humans in this film end up seeming an awful lot like an alien species viewed from an intelligence that doesn't fully understand them basically there are a lot of shots in this film that from her perspective that look like a mix of two things it looks like first of all i mentioned a mix of some kind of predator that's stalking its prey and that's doing it in a kind of distant not fully comprehending sort of way but also a lot of the shots in this film almost feel like a nature documentary <laughs> uh, it's almost like observing humanity with that same kind of dispassionate like uh, you know, National Geographic lens that a nature documentary might view like a family of lemurs or something. Uh, and in fact, maybe even more dispassionate than that because those lemur documentaries and shit usually try to humanize the animals or anthropomorphize them in some way and give them like just enough human personality so that we can relate to them. And ironically, this film makes almost no attempt to humanize its human characters. <laughs> in fact, it does a lot to make them seem like an entirely different species. And it does a lot to make mm -hmm. Earth seem like an alien landscape, the way that some of the shots are framed and, and, and just the lighting in some shots. Everything just, it, it really feels like she's, when you're in her perspective, you're with her roving this totally alien, strange planet 
that doesn't 100% make sense and is equal parts sort of dangerous and, uh, you know, also kind of ripe for exploitation or for predation or whatever. And, and it gets so deep into that mindset and it gets in there in a way that I think a lot of films about aliens, alien life forms and alien intelligences don't. There's always this, like, push with most of these films to make the aliens more and more human, which is something this film subverts, although I don't want to get into that too much. And also, like, it's about trying to build connection between us and the aliens or make the aliens look really alien, but to make like be about well this is what really makes us human and why we would be different from them or whatever and there's none of that in this film it, it which i think is really remarkable the one thing about the van though the, there, there's something glorious about that white windowless van because not only is it the like quintessential archetypal like predator mode of transportation but also both inside from inside and outside it has a real spaceship vibe to it and so it does kind of seem like she's like even though it's this very like utilitarian like everyday mundane thing in the movie it does almost seem like it's her spacecraft and she's kind of moving through this alien world in it and anyway um yeah so so that's so those scenes are really really remarkable uh also they they reminded me quite a bit of one of my all-time favorite films a movie i just rewatched recently with aj actually which is taxi driver taxi driver has a lot a lot of shots of Travis, the the primary character, just driving through the city, just like looking at people. And, and it's similar in that the way these shots through the through a car's windshield or through a car's window are framed tells you everything you need to know about the psychology of the driver of the vehicle. Except in taxi driver, like uh, Travis is so like misanthropic and disgusted with humanity that all of that disgust comes through. Whereas in this movie, it's the alienness and the dispassionateness and the like divide between you or between Scarlett Johansson's character and the humans outside that that it conveys. Did anyone want to say anything else about that? Mm, no. You kind of covered everything. Sorry? Including <laughs> the point about taxi driver, which was my point. You oh, I'm sorry. I, she should have interjected and said, no, I want to talk about taxi driver. <laughs> but I yeah, mean, Will just really likes films about people sitting in cars looking at people. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong i do too i i like it as long I, as there's no penises involved yeah i mean it is some in some ways the ultimate like device for conveying alienation no pun on alien here but <laughs> like to be there just uh, it, it's kind of anything where a film 
puts that kind of um, barrier, like a translucent, transparent barrier between the character's point of view and what they're watching. Like Rear Window does the same thing, you know, where it's all about like someone through observing someone else through a window and not being observed themselves. And anyway, it's a, there's a, you always get that real alienation feel then. Did you guys want? I don't want to cut this short and move on to something else without giving you guys a chance to weigh in again, though. Mm, I'm good. By all means. Okay. So I did want to talk about the Scottish accents, which we brought up earlier. <laughs> now, I feel like this must be a totally different and worse film if you actually are Scottish. And happen to either have a really strong Scottish accent or at least have an ear for perceiving them. Because I think that the decision to have the, as uh, I think it was Sarah who pointed out earlier, I don't know if this was during the conversation or during our talk before the podcast started. You said Scarlett Johansson's character was the only one in this movie you could really understand, right? Right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and all of the, the other characters, or at least the vast majority of the other characters in the film, have this really strong, not only Scottish accent, but like working class Scottish accent that mm. if that is was for me at least almost impenetrable impenetrable. It was almost oh, that impenetrable. That's what I was gonna use too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an appropriate word for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah. And I think that's an intentional stylistic choice because you it it goes to that thing that I was talking about just a minute ago where you when you're watching this movie feel like an alien life form visit or you feel like Scarlett Johansson's character in that you feel like you're visiting an alien planet and the humans start to seem like alien life forms. And one of the tricks that's utilized here to do that is the fact that you can't understand anything that anyone is saying, even though they're speaking English right away, you get just enough, which makes sense because that's roughly what Scarlett Johansson's character would get, right? We know that she understands English, but she understands it in a very, in the same way that you or I might understand Japanese, if we took like, you know, a six-week course in Japanese or listened to a whole <laughs> bunch of like learn Japanese in your car tapes prior to taking a trip there, and you might be able to pick up words here and there. You might be able to pick up enough just to figure out, get a, the general sense of what people are saying. But everything, there would still be so much that would be lost in translation, not to reference a totally different Scarlett Johansson movie. But um, she was in that, right? I'm not crazy. It was she, her she and Bill was. Murray. Okay, good. Because it would, I would have looked like a real idiot if I had made that reference and it was like, I don't know, some other actress. Uh, but anyway, the film manages to do this in a really interesting way though, because a lot of times films will, 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 will try to make 
the audience seem alienated and lost in a foreign country. And they'll always do it by filling the screen with, you know, it's like, oh, you're in Japan now. Everyone speaks Japanese. Everyone has a different skin color and uses a different language. And, and the, the, you know, and a lot of time, like, you know, basically people of color are used as a proxy for white alienation with the assumption <laughs> that the audience is going to be some white person and that they're, <laughs> you know, and that it's going to be like, oh, there's a black guy on the screen and I can't quite <laughs> understand him. I feel alienated from this movie. <laughs> and the thing that this movie does that's cool is that it manages to do that just by using white people and mostly by using white men. Now, as I said, it sucks, I guess, if you're watching this movie and you're a working class Scottish dude. Because <laughs> you're like, I, I, well, you know, because you've lost that. Because I think that's really a really effective. I think that's one of the many ways that this movie builds this sense of like, you know, the white windowless van is the lunar rover or whatever. And you're crawling through this, this, this uh, interplanetary landscape that just happens to be working class Scotland, you know. <laughs> So I thought that was a really cool touch that I thought enhanced the movie. I don't know. Did anyone else want to talk about that? The only uh, the only thing that I might add, no offense to any working class Scottish men, <laughs> but that also um, contributes to the the lack of eroticism in the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, AJ, I guess it would be a completely different experience for you if they all had, like, proper British, British accents. Yeah. If they all sounded like mm. Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, even if they also looked like aliens like Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> exactly. That would be a profoundly different experience for me. Yeah, I, I bet it would be. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sarah... Did you want to jump in on this? Um, you pretty much covered it, but I, I really do love the way that they, that they did that because you don't even realize what they're doing unless you really think about it. You know, with the accents, right. with the van and all the shots outside. But they actually, they really did this expertly, I think. Um, um, something else I want to talk about. I don't know if you want to save this for the spoiler section or not, but I want to talk about our favorite scenes at some point or scenes that really. That is definitely us. second half of the podcast. That we'll is. do that. In fact, we might even open with that, which is what we've done a few times in mm -hmm. the past at the beginning of the second half. Or like, well, any scenes you want to discuss in more detail? Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but I do want to see anything else you guys want to discuss anything that jumped out at you when you were watching the film. And uh, we'll start with, let's start with AJ and then we'll do Sarah. I would like to touch on the film's aesthetics because that's kind of my thing. Aesthetic AJ. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, there, there were several scenes in this movie that were very interesting and a kind of, almost it's been years since i've watched it and i haven't watched many films so i can't compare to many other films like will does almost AJ, what are you doing on a film review, review. podcast 
<laughs> but it, it reminded me, some of them reminded me of 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, like, particularly in the beginning, there's there's a bunch of sort of abstract scenes almost. And that's coupled with <laughs> music. Right. I, I say I use music loosely. It's it's more sound almost, but it's framed in a way that is extremely effective in like creating this tense, anxious kind of very almost like alien in nature. Although that's not really that much of a descriptor, but it creates this environment in which you're already reacting rather harshly to the movie and i thought that was very skillful yeah absolutely i want to give sarah a chance to jump in on that before i do i was actually going to talk about the music too um yeah like you said music with quotation marks around it but right because that that really was a cue i felt oh yeah absolutely yeah definitely for danger but not just danger but just i don't know just the atmosphere because again she is in this alien world and i don't know if she's thinking about her own safety during this i never could really tell if she was ever worried about herself yeah until maybe later scenes but through the rest of it where she's with these strange guys she never seemed to worry so maybe she wasn't aware of how violent humans can be well Uh, i'm not sure there is a scene early in the movie which really i think it was one of the most um it was one of the it it really got the sense of the nature documentary it it really conveyed a sort of nature documentary thing or like or, or like almost like one of those horror films where they're like anaconda or something or where like you know the guys are lost in the jungle and there's some kind of predatory animals after them uh there's a scene very early and i think this is early enough in the film that it's not a spoiler where she's size this guy comes up to her car and he's Mm -hmm. like obviously intoxicated and you can tell she's sizing Mm -hmm. him up and then like boom three other guys three other drunk guys are there out of nowhere and they're like throwing bottles and they're screaming and it's almost like she's been ambushed by like a bunch of bonobos or something like a whole bunch of wild animals just dropped down on her and she's like shit (laughs) you know (laughs) um but even in that scene there's not like her reaction isn't very human it's not like obvious visceral fear it's like a calculate it's like she turns the car on and she gets out of there (laughs) right i was gonna mention that she is like strikingly um unfazed (laughs) whereas like anyone with any type of human reaction in that situation would be a lot more fearful i think right (laughs) but you don't necessarily know to what degree she's experiencing emotion but not emoting if that makes any sense right absolutely um and in fact there's another scene are, are relatively early in the movie between her a really weird ambiguous scene between her and the 
other alien guy, the motorcycle man, <laughs> at, mm -hmm. where they're just staring at each other. And you're not really sure what's going on. Obviously, some kind of communication is occurring. But there's a lot of this, like, once again, the, the real sense of her alienness and a question of to what degree can she experience emotions? Um, and also to what degree she can then express those emotions because she may have a totally different way of processing reality, especially in the earlier sections of the film. And since she, since her humanity is basically just a disguise, once again, especially early in the film, she in that scene, she might be freaking the fuck out in some, on some alien level deep beneath the surface, under the skin, right? <laughs> to use the title of the, the film that isn't being conveyed because she hasn't learned how to kind of em emote as a human yet, really. Or not. Or she might be totally... It, it may be that her species does not have an inherent capacity to feel strong emotions. And in the spoiler version of the podcast, maybe we can talk more about that. I, I did want to go back to what AJ mentioned about that opening scene, though. Because, AJ, I think yeah, that was what I thought of immediately, too. I thought of 2001. I thought of Kubrick, Kubrick uh, immediately. Uh, it actually reminded me of two things. It reminded me of some of the sequences in 2001, particularly near the end of 2001. And it also reminded me of the montage at the beginning of Bergman's persona. Uh, and that may just be the close-up of the eye and the kind of weird, like, uh, alien way that everything is spliced together. But that was the other thing that I thought of immediately. This is definitely a film, by the way, that owes a lot to earlier classic films especially to Kubrick, to Tarkovsky, as I mentioned, and I think to some degree to Bergman as well, which may, those are three of my favorite directors, so that might be why I enjoyed the movie as much as I did. Uh, but yeah, that opening scene definitely immediately grabs you and gets you in that uh, otherworldly state of mind. And it is, as you said, really like jarring too. The weird atonal music that plays <laughs> mixed with that really wonderful fade in where you're hearing a voice. And at first it's not saying words and then eventually it is saying words. It's almost like this awakening to human consciousness, right? Where like language gradually seeps in, where light gradually seeps in and where that light gradually eventually forms an image it's almost this like moment of birth or this you know moment of like coming to self-awareness or coming to like entering into humanity or something but it's also like it's almost this sort of intergalactic moment where that scene could be like the arrival of the spacecraft or it could be her being born in human form just as easily you know it could be a travel as a uh, journey throughout our space or it could be the arrival of a human consciousness and it's done in this really 
amazing abstract way that I that I that I thought was spectacular. Uh, so, anything else you guys want to talk about? Well, it might be worth mentioning. There were some scenes that I particularly liked. Um, how they were set up. We'll uh, probably, as I said, we can talk about specific scenes once we're in the part with the spoilers. Like just how they looked. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you're right, because you were talking about aesthetics. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, like there were a couple scenes where the camera is panned back quite a bit. And I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, but you see the main character's um it's sort of like positionally oriented of where you can see the the depth of field is conveyed through like their position on the screen and if you look at it as a whole it looks almost like a painting in which like the figures are moving around do you yeah, guys there are, know what i'm talking about I, I do there are a lot of very wide shots in this movie that where another movie might be tempted to zoom in and do a lot of close shots to convey emotion, uh, especially when human characters are in distress or suffering. Uh, but instead, the movie keeps stays wide. And I think what that that goes more towards this sense of like conveying the humans in this film as being inhuman. Right, and it particularly sets up the landscape as a type of, you know, alien lunar exploration type. Yeah, an alien world. That you're, like, looking out over the moon or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That That's a really good point. Uh, and some of the landscapes they pick, like, there's a lot of scenes, there are a few scenes that are set uh, by the ocean, there's one scene that's set um, uh, it, by an old ruined castle, and then there are a whole bunch of scenes that are set in really, like, uh, in real urban settings. There's a real mix uh, that you would most scenes kind of pick would pick one or the other. They'd be like, oh well, we want a lot of gritty urban environments in this film, or we want a lot of like broad. Uh, nature scenes or scenes that really convey a sense of like grandeur and wonder this movie uses a really interesting mix of both these really desolate like natural or old or ruined environments and these like really crowded claustrophobic urban spaces and it uses them in a way that really does feel so i keep using the word alien but i don't know what other word to use you know, that really does feel so otherworldly, even though these are things that are not at all otherworldly, especially the, the urban portions of the film are very mundane and every day. But you feel like completely disassociated from any sense of familiarity. Through right. Right. They become unfamiliar environments. Familiar environments become unfamiliar environments. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah? Mm, I don't 
don't think I have much to add to that, actually. Okay. You guys, you guys keep nailing it. <laughs> well, why don't you why don't you start us off on our next thing so that you have a chance to? Uh, uh, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Well, I want to get into the spoilers. That's what I want to do. We should probably give <laughs> our our ratings. Okay. Yeah. Let's do our reviews then. Uh, sure. Uh, AJ, do you want to start us off? Um, I would give this movie. I'd give this movie. Um, F three out of F twelve. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would give it about. Seven out of ten vultures, probably. Wow, I feel like you that. I I feel the movie deserves more, but what? Why seven out of ten <laughs> vultures? I would give it seven out of ten vultures because even though, by the way, this is supposed to be a five point scale, but we're gonna let we we reach <laughs> the point where we don't. AJ's gonna just try to subvert and undermine things, and that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, what were you saying? Um, I feel that it is extremely effective in communicating that alien sense and the disassociation and this kind of like detached view of humanity that honestly it makes you empathize with the main character and feel if you've ever felt like that type of alien disassociation, it also uh, brings some type of almost justification and connection and that, like, lack of connection. But... Okay, sorry. But, um, I feel that personally, I feel that some of the parts that were science fiction um like explicit science fiction were almost too much for me because at the end of the movie i was left feeling like i i wanted to know more about what was going on and that kind of distracted from the effectiveness of the film i feel like if they had kept Some of the scenes in particular, which we can dive into in a little bit, um, left me feeling uh, like, against my better judgment, I would have preferred if it had focused on things that were not the main point, which was the dissociation and the alienness. Yeah, let's talk about, maybe we can talk about that first when we get into spoilers. Uh, So what you're saying is that the sci-fi part of the film left you with a lot of unanswered questions and that bothered you. It distracted me, I feel. Okay. Sarah? Mm, I would give this four out of five puppies. I actually really liked this. Um, I The ending did leave... I don't know if I feel exactly the way AJ does, but it, it did just leave me with questions and sometimes that's good in a movie where you don't need to know everything but i really wanted to know why i want to know (laughs) okay why why are they hunting men what are they doing with them exactly because that was never really clear and it didn't really make sense to me uh and when you see 
uh, this particular scene that we'll get into later, you'll understand what I mean, or it just doesn't right. really make sense. Um, so I always wanted to, I, I wanted that to be answered. I knew it wouldn't be because this is the kind of movie where they do not answer your questions. <laughs> <laughs> it just ends. Um, but aside from that, I, I liked a lot of things about this. It was just very well put together. Scarlett Johansson was actually a great choice for this. Her acting was perfect for the role. Um, so yep, four out of five puppies. Okay, so I am going to give this four and a half out of five vultures. Uh, and I, I do. We are going to have a conversation in just a minute about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that the movie opts not to answer questions about what the aliens are doing, <laughs> why they're doing it, how they're doing it. Uh, my, you can probably guess that my opinion is that it's a very good thing that they don't answer that mm -hmm. those questions because I think any answer would have been really fucking dumb and would have, <laughs> would have taken yeah, away from the movie. <laughs> I don't think they, there's a possible good answer that would have been more satisfying than not knowing. That said, um, what did I like about this movie? Like you said, Sarah, Scarlett Johansson's performance is spectacular. She's so good at embodying this, this, this alien being or this otherworldly predator or whatever you want to call it. She is so totally committed to not being a human being in this movie <laughs> that it's, it's unbelievable. The cinematography is absolutely fucking beautiful. There's not a frame in this film that isn't gorgeous in all the right ways. And also like, ugly and off-putting in all the right ways. Uh, the fact that, as I said, it gets you inside that alien and alienated state of mind in a way that I don't think any other film that I've seen, especially sci-fi film, does. Uh, I also thought I really loved the ending, which I'm not going to talk about. There was um, there is a pivot that happens at one point in this film that really worried me, <laughs> and the way that pivot ultimately paid off put pretty much all of my fears at ease. Put I, I the movie could have turned in a direction that I think would have just been disastrous, but it didn't. And that's another thing I wanted to say. One of the things I really love about movies are when they subvert your expectations, especially when they subvert your expectations for a genre, and when they do it in a way that actually that actually both elevates the movie and refuses to give easy closure to the audience. Not many movies are willing to do that, by the way. Not many movies are willing to, first of all, take genre expectations, make you think it's headed in that direction, and then say no. <laughs> but a lot of times when movies do do that, what they offer instead is some kind of twist that feels inorgan inorganic and idiotic or just kind of contrived or whatever. And this movie doesn't do that either. The end result makes a lot more sense, I think, than if it had stuck with the genre conventions. So for all of those reasons, I, the reason it's not five out of five vultures, it 
the reason it's not five out of five vultures, uh, there's two reasons. Basically, I'm reserving the five out of five only for movies I think are like absolutely sublime and amazing classic films like Songs from the Second Floor, which is, I think, one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, the other reasons, uh, th there's one film, there's one scene in this movie that didn't quite work for me. Maybe just because I was just a little bit, I'm just a little bit too broken and cynical as a human being to buy it. Uh, although it didn't in any way, uh, it, it, it totally works within the movie, but I didn't totally buy it. The other reason is this film owes a huge debt to other films. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. It does what it does incredibly well. But I am aware that on some level, a lot of what I liked about this film was that it was channeling Tarkovsky, that it was chan channeling Kubrick, that the opening montage did remind me so much of Persona. But, you know, none of that is, is worth more than half a point being docked. <laughs> So that's it. We've given our reviews at this point. If you're listening, if you're still listening uh, and you're spoiler sensitive, stop, put, pause this. Don't close the window, please. You'll never open it again. <laughs> pause it, find the film, watch the film, and then come back and listen to this part. If you're not spoiler sensitive, or if you don't think you'll watch the film, please watch the film. But if you don't think you will, you want to just hear us ramble. If for some reason listening to us ramble is better than watching a really excellent film, then just stay tuned. Okay. So, spoilers. I do want to go through uh, some of our favorite scenes or some of the scenes that really grabbed us. I do want to talk about the ending of the film. I do want to talk about the pivot that happens about midway through the film, two-thirds of the way through the film. But before we do any of these th those things, I want to address the concern that you and AJ both brought up, which is all the unanswered questions in this film. And I want to turn it over to both of you to, uh, to start that off. Oh, God. Uh, where do you start, though? Um... <laughs> Should we talk about the scene, the first scene where um, she's seducing one of the men and you finally see kind of what happens to them? Sure. Do you want to talk yeah. about that scene? AJ? Yeah. <laughs> Either of you. <laughs> it's, it's a really, it's kind of a beautiful scene in a way. So they, they, she takes them into this ugly, dilapidated apartment. I guess it's an apartment. And yeah, I mean, the inside... Outside an apartment the inside yeah. it's is like bottomless there's no end to it whatever but it's just this liquidy glass floor as far as you can see yeah it's this big and black she's... vacuum yeah <laughs> honestly it's just and i guess I... not to not to interrupt i'm interrupting but um <laughs> <laughs> honestly i understand what they were trying to go for with mm -hmm. like the the men that they chose of trying to show yeah. that they're sleazy men who just want to have sex with her but like like even like working class scottish men like if you got into a place <laughs> like that and it looked as alien as that 
Why the hell would you keep going? <laughs> I'm pretty sure once she gets them through the door, there something otherworldly has kicked in and they're mesmerized. I don't know if I they was... end when they enter the mm -hmm. the spaceship or the alien environment. There's some kind of psychological influence that it has on them, or if she has some kind of like. Uh, um, you know, pseudo psychic power to like mesmerize them, but the fact that she does that same routine of undressing and leading them each time to me right. implies that some kind of mesmerization has taken place, or that the guys are just not—they're so fixated that they're not seeing everything else that's going on. They're like it's tunnel vision; they're only seeing her, and whether. <laughs> That's just because they're that horny, or if it's because something alien <laughs> is going on there, you know. No, I I think there is something where they're being controlled and they're being blinded as to where they actually are, so they can't see. Oh wait, what is this place? This isn't an apartment. Um, and the fact that when you're that horny, you don't just walk like the way they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you attack. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, right. And they weren't doing that, so I think there was definitely. I think she was mesmerizing them to some degree, and they were they were being controlled without having any idea of it. And then when they were they were going under because the floor kind of turns into this. Not even, I don't know if it's even water, but it's they go under, and then the floor is now their ceiling, and they're not really. I guess they're not drown. They're not really drowning, but um, no, they're not drowning, yeah. but. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, whether <laughs> it's some kind of, of liquid or dissolving. gel or... Yeah. yeah. But basically, they're being... from Based on that one scene, they're kind of being embalmed almost, so that only their... But their skin is the only thing that's left after a while. Yeah, they're being dissolved from the inside, I think. Yeah. I mean, that sequence is real... That sequence is amazing, by the way. That, that, was, a, that was a great scene. But basically... However you want to see it, this guy's insides get sucked out and only his skin <laughs> is left. I mean, what actually yeah, happens yeah. is... That is an amazing part. That's, like, one of the most terrible things, but also, like, an incredible scene where, like, you see his skin, like, floating and folding in on itself, like, within the mysterious liquid. But right. I would like to say that um, other than that particular scene, um, I just didn't, like, I feel like I was supposed to have enjoyed the rest of the, um, like, seduction scenes or whatever, but I, <laughs> I just didn't, it, it fell a little flat for me of the scene of, you know, like visually it's it's very striking of she walks backwards as she takes off her clothes and they take off their clothes as they walk towards her but um i it just it it didn't really get to me i i wasn't very impressed hmm really i i really like how sparse and simple those scenes are like they're the... <sighs> You get the real sense of almost it. Oh, my cat just rolled over on the keyboard. Yes, you've been sleeping for a while. Um, you almost, <laughs> you almost get the sense of it being like, oh, I don't know. Um, 
performance, almost like a performance art piece or something. Like this highly choreographed kind of, like there's this black vacuum and there's just these two performers here and you watch them as they perform this almost like ritual interaction. And I, I don't know, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And one thing that sci-fi movies tend to do that I think is to their detriment is whenever it time to show the inside of an alien spacecraft or to show an alien environment they go whole fucking hog and they're like <laughs> let's make this as weird and cool and, uh, you know like let's do as much as we can we have creative freedom here it's not earth we don't have to be bound by these rules of realism let's throw everything at the fucking wall or let's make it like or like aliens where it's like oh let's make it like all industrial looking or let's make it like look like some world of tomorrow fucking like you know the 22nd century as viewed by the 1950s kind of thing or whatever and no matter what those environments and sometimes if it's the right film those environments look really cool but they always look fake and they never look legitimately alien by the way they always look like some set designer's idea of what an inv alien environment is. So I think the decision here to go completely minimalistic and not show you anything except darkness and light conveys the alienness, conveys that otherworldly sense in a way that no like you know no no set designer really could. My art, my issue with it, honestly, is that I feel I feel it should have been more abstract. Of a, I wish that it had been when uh, the the man's insides are sucked out. It kind of returns to that um, alien cut, um, two thousand one space odyssey type montage and I wish there had been a little bit more of that in the ritual seduction scenes I understand it like it was there it was that way for a purpose of it was building up towards um, whatever resolution it had to offer but mm -hmm. um, I just would have preferred it if it was a little bit more abstract yeah, Sarah, do you want to weigh in on this? I did. I I liked all of those scenes actually. Like you said, it was it was simplistic, and that was the beauty of it, though. Uh, but that that one scene definitely. I they only needed to do it once, to, you know, once to show you what's actually happening, and then after that, you when you finally know what's going to happen to the guy when he goes under, that's all they need. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. So you have the like the first time they do it, and you don't know what's happening, and then they. They do show you, and then after that, you're like, "Oh shit, guy, you should you should leave." Because uh, and then the what well, the last guy that she attempts to seduce is the deformed guy, right? And I had a feeling that she was going to let him go, and that was a very odd scene because they do show him. I guess he is in that room, and he is naked, and he's about to go under. And, and he goes under. He does. That's that's the thing. And then we in have the a morning, shot of him. She, she's looking down, and she sees him under. Yeah, and then she lets him out the next day. I think she she started feeling almost human emotions 
probably for right. the first time because she and felt sorry for and that's, he, was the, he was the only one who wasn't sleazy. He was actually a nice guy, and he had a really crappy life. Right, and and she does. So that's the one moment in the movie that I'm a little ambivalent about. That turn, and it's a very important yeah. turn in the movie. Um, and I'm of two minds about it. On one hand, like, on a, like, just simple visceral level i'm not totally sure i buy that change in her character i'm not sure it like that is the moment that bridges like that is supposed to bridge like the divide between her predatory alien nature and this sense of humanity that's growing inside of her and that scene is really well done and it's a really it like it's another amazing piece of acting and very subtle piece of acting by Scarlett Johansson. There's a moment when, by the way, when we were talking about how there are very few close-ups of people's faces, the exception is of Scarlett Johansson. There's a lot of close-ups of her face and those close-ups usually are communicating more what's not going on than what is going on. <laughs> but there's one moment in that conversation between her and the guy with the profound facial deformities where it cuts to her face and there's water in her eyes. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like her expression hasn't changed profoundly, but her eyes are watering. So something is going on there, even in that moment that she doesn't realize until it's all over and she comes down the stairs and she looks at herself in the mirror and something clicks and some human capacity is there now and i don't know i mean i guess to me that's such a huge leap to take to go from this assumption of this intelligence that's that's viewing humans essentially just as prey or as whatever we don't know what they're doing and i think we probably want to talk about that uh to feeling some kind of empathy and what is it that makes her feel that empathy you know is it that this guy is that pathetic is it you know that in a weird way it's sometimes almost easier to have empathy for something you perceive to be a totally harmless animal than to have mm -hmm. empathy for a complex human being who's self-motivated and all of that and whether she looked at this guy and the feeling she got was like the feeling you have when you see a spider drowning in the toilet and some part of you says huh i don't want to have to watch that thing drown it's so <laughs> helpless you know or whether it's a feeling you have when you see like a baby puppy or a baby kitten and you can't help yourself uh, where, I don't know. I mean, the film doesn't answer that question. And on some level, it's probably better that it doesn't answer that question, mm -hmm. that it doesn't tell you what happened inside her that made her feel empathy. But that definitely is the moment when she starts to behave and act more human. And it is probably the one moment in the film that I wasn't sure about. 
know. Do you guys want to? I I actually agree with that. It it, it just because it was so sudden, and even showing a little bit of water in the eyes isn't. You wouldn't think that would be enough after everything, after everything else. Uh, so to suddenly go through with it, and then I don't know how she reversed it, but. Uh... <laughs> And well, obviously that didn't really end up well for that guy anyway, but. Um. Right. <laughs> well, I don't think <laughs> had to reverse it because this no. process seems to take a, a, a long time. It's not clear how yeah. long it takes, but when the guy, when we see the guy go under in that one scene, remember it's not him who gets his innards sucked out. Right. Basically right. he sees the guy, she, the guy before him that she abducted and he, and he's still alive and intact yeah. at first, and then it happens to him. So this process obviously takes maybe days, maybe hours mm -hmm. to complete. Once again, as AJ mentioned earlier, time in this movie is never clear, which I think right. is, is a good thing. Uh, so she probably had enough time, and it may only have been in minutes or hours that passed to come down the stairs, have th second thoughts, let the guy go, and let him wander off. Uh, without any harm being done. <laughs> she doesn't give him his clothes back after she does I know, right? No, she <laughs> what happened to the clothes? A <laughs> poor guy. Right. And then he ends up getting caught anyway. So that might have been to like... But, but that also brings up the question of whether or not she was trying to hide that from the motorcycle man mm. yeah i mean the question of the clothes i think brings us to one of the open questions of the film that we should probably talk about which is what the hell are the aliens trying to do <laughs> <laughs> like what's about is it about skin <laughs> is it about skin is is it about like whatever happens to the rest of the human body is it about what are they doing and and i want to and is the fact that the movie doesn't answer that question really at all you guys seem to i got the impression that you guys seem to think that might be to the film's detriment or at least that was nagging at you i, I don't think it was to the film's detriment because like you said whatever they they come up with it would have been stupid <laughs> yeah really, right. what, you can't make it not stupid but of course i want to know i want i want some reasonable explanation but i but yeah that's they couldn't have done it in a way that would have fit so i it, it was definitely the right thing for them not to explain everything and leave you know no loose ends with again with movies like this they have to and you always know that they're going to leave you wanting to know Right, but at the same time, like you can you can understand why they didn't delve into it at all. Mm. But at the same time, it's like you know watching dominoes fall and then having the last five stay up. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do you guys think might have been going on there? I mean, you might as well like speculate. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's always up. Uh course there's always the alien experiments theory uh, it would be an interesting one though because they're obviously not like inserting things into them <laughs> <laughs> no quite the opposite so yeah they're dissolving them from the insides but it doesn't look like there's any part of them that they can use 
so maybe they're just they're just seeing how they can destroy humans <laughs> I don't know. it could be a really weird alien invasion tactic it, where they're looking is... for ways to get rid of humans without anybody knowing they're hiding they're hiding them effectively there's no body to be found it could That's my be only theory method of like alien invasion but if so they're like in the early stages and just yeah trying to figure out the process or i i sort of got the feeling that they were they were using like the raw human material and i kind of like that as well it it sort of it sort of gives a kind of similar sense to you know um europeans coming over and you know trying to get gold and stuff from um the natives it 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 sort of backs up that nature documentary like conquest sort of right story yeah uh, I think um, – well, that that's the question, right? Is this a coloni alien colonization narrative? <laughs> Which, I mean, it could be. There are reasons to believe it might be almost a pod people kind of thing where they're taking the human skins and then they're reusing the human skins on the alien bodies as a way for the aliens to pass as humans in order to enable some kind of colonization. But that's, when you think about that, that's really dumb, you know? And that's why you don't want to think about it. Uh, it could, and I mean, I guess the question is, when they dissolve someone and the skin's left behind, are they doing that so they can use the skin? Because we do know that, like, she's basically wearing a skin suit and that so is the motorcycle man and, and, and so on. Are they doing that so that they can use the, like, raw human biological material that they basically pulp? <laughs> you know, which which are they after? I, I don't know. Uh, and the scene doesn't explain that, and it probably shouldn't. Are they also, though, as AJ kind of alluded to, um, they – could be scientists <laughs> you know this could be and they could be and that might be why they're gathering the human genetic material it could be like scientists going to the rainforest and collecting a few lizards or bugs or whatever for samples and then doing dna analysis on them uh it could be something else entirely you know it, it who knows um it's really hard to say, and the movie doesn't answer that question. But, like, as I said, if this is a basically a pod person colonization narrative where they're going to replace a whole bunch of humans with aliens, we've seen that done so many times before in so many bad movies that I feel like t even talking about that in this movie would have made it a worse movie. <laughs> and... If it is the if it is the alien scientist thing and they're coming down to study and examine humans, then that certainly gives the almost nature documentary vibe. You know, it lends credence to the almost nature documentary vibe. But it's also something that wouldn't really have been improved upon by letting us know. And in fact, the minute 
something gets explained the minute it ceases to be alien. Like the minute you attach human motivations to whatever is going on, the minute like you humanize the aliens and then you've lost something. So that, that's why I was happy we that we don't know. <laughs> it definitely like cheapens um it it sort of lets out the tension quite a bit right uh so anything else on unanswered questions or things that you wish the movie had had addressed um i still want to clarify whether or not she has a vagina because i got the impression that she does not I think she does not have a vagina. I think that's not an unanswered question. I think that's... <laughs> but I still wanted to say it. So. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, that basically, I, I mean, it's in the title, right? It, it, every, and as we see in the final scene, everything under her skin is alien. So yeah. she may have the um, external appearance of female genitalia, but, you know, the plumbing isn't there. That's why when he goes to <laughs> penetrate her, she's, as you said earlier, impenetrable. impenetrable. Uh, you know, <laughs> because there's nothing there. That if There's nothing for him, you know. There's there's a door, but no, no hallway behind it. <laughs> and it might... Um... It might. I'm. I'm skipping past that because that was. Well, no. It's like in the cartoon <laughs> where, like, where Wiley Coyote or the Roadrunner paints the, you know, he paints the tunnel on the side of the mountain or whatever, and then Wiley Coyote runs right into it. I mean, that's basically, basically what it is. What? Okay, sorry, AJ. <laughs> but anyway, um, it it might serve to say that she discovers that or rather someone else discovers that when after the pivot point in the movie when she's behaving in a more human manner and she um goes home with a man that she met on the bus <laughs> which is a very human <laughs> thing to do <laughs> and then they like um attempt to have sex rather than you know her usual ritual of seduction of taking the men back to her spaceship and sucking out their insides um, and he discovers that you know there's there's no hallway behind the door yes <laughs> and that <laughs> that's interesting because it makes you wonder what did she expect like right. you know what yeah, he she didn't seem to know she, she didn't know so and then she takes she... the lamp and puts in inspects her vagina and well, realizes because, that there's well, nothing there. Yeah, and, and also she, she wanted away. to make sure that her skin suit wasn't damaged. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it makes you wonder, even though like human sexuality is the pretense that she's using to seduce these men, how little does she actually understand about human sexuality and how it functions? <laughs> does she let herself be put in that situation? Or is she or is she almost undergoing a kind of like dementia or like uh, uh, some kind of delusion or so I, I have a theory, I don't know if it's a theory, but 
this movie made me think of another movie that in you would not that in no way seems related to this movie, but it reminded me of it. And that's Werner Herzog's documentary Grizzly Man. Have either of you seen that? I don't think so, but I, I've heard of it. I have not. Do you, do you mind spoilers? I mean, it's a documentary, so. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so basically it's about this guy who's not, he's not a scientist, okay? He's not a biologist or he, he's not Jane Goodall. He's some loser who decides <laughs> he's going to go out and live with the grizzly bears. Right, I remember and, that guy. <laughs> and he, he he eventually he convinces himself that he's like won the kinship of these bears and that he's become basically part of their community and he starts to like <laughs> internalize the fact that he is on some level like an honorary bear and it becomes this kind of and the because it's a Herzog documentary and not a sappy documentary it becomes totally clear that this man is delusional <laughs> Um, and that he's totally like misunderstood nature, the nature of reality and the nature of these bears. Uh, and ultimately at the end, he and his girlfriend, he drags his poor girlfriend along and they end up being killed and eaten by bears, by the grizzly bears. And this movie reminded me of that because it's almost a similar thing that happens to Scarlett Johansson's character where she begins in the, in the beginning of the film, she very, very clearly is viewing the humans in this film the way we view wild animals. You know, she's cautious around them. She has a very calculated approach to them. She, attempt, she almost has a way of domesticating or training them to a degree, but she's following this very tightly scripted procedure in dealing with them and, and taking precautions. And she's in no way, as weird as it may sound, anthropomorphizing the humans, <laughs> you know, that she's keeping that clinical distance. And then something happens and she feels some shred of empathy for that guy, the deformed guy, and it sets her down a path, which in any other film, by the way, would have led to her being humanized and redeemed, and would have led, which was where I was scared that this film was going, by the way, uh, which would have led to her becoming, a, you know, the Pinocchio narrative. She becomes a real boy. She becomes <laughs> a real person, you know? That's where this could have gone. And there are a couple of scenes along the way that make you think it's going in this direct that direction, and then it veers off and reminds you just how alien she actually is. One of them is the scene you you both talked about, the sex scene, which would have potentially been like in a in a worse film would have been the moment that redeemed the earlier sex scenes, you know, the predatory sex scenes. But in this film, quickly becomes a reminder that, oh no, she's not human at all. <laughs> and she's not capable of experiencing human intimacy. Certainly she's not capable of experiencing physical human intimacy, which creates a real question about to what degree can she really experience like emotional human intimacy too. But there's also another really great scene, which in a, in a different film would have been a totally different film, would have been a totally different type of scene, 
the scene where she orders a piece of cake at the restaurant. And she can yeah. tell she orders this beautiful looking piece of chocolate cake. Now, it didn't look great to me because I hate chocolate cake, but like it's obviously supposed to be like the most scrumptious looking piece of chocolate cake. And in another film, this would she would have taken that bite of cake and that would have been like her, a moment of epiphany like, "Oh, wow, this is what I've been missing." Like humans can like experience all these great unique human things. Like they can like just the experience of eating food and tasting food can be wonderful and beautiful and yeah human life is short and ephemeral but there's all these small beauties yada 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 but in this film she takes the bite and she spits it the fuck right back out because she doesn't have human taste buds because she's not human once again, under the skin, beneath the surface, she's still not a human being. She's not biologically human. She's alien. And so that cake is not what she's used to eating. Just like, <laughs> you know, we go to some foreign country, we eat some foreign cuisine. And yeah, sometimes, you know, ooh, I tried Ethiopian food for the first time and it's great. But a lot of times you try something alien, something... Oh. But it'd be it'd be even more foreign than that. It'd be like you know, exactly. eating You're... like crude oil because <laughs> right. it's delicious, you know. And then like I love that scene so much. That's one of my favorite scenes, especially <laughs> because it takes her so long to get that piece of cake in her mouth. I love that so much. There's so much build up there. It takes like at least like half a minute of screen time for her to bring the bite of cake to her mouth and then eat it. And then she just spits it out, and everyone in the restaurant is looking at her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's a, such a wonderful moment. It's great. And that moment is that everyone in the restaurant looking at her thing is such a great inversion of what had been happening up to that point, where she was always looking at everyone else, and they weren't kind of conscious of conscious of her presence. Here, she's so fixated on this plate, and everyone in the restaurant's looking at her like, oh, you're a weirdo. <laughs> But right. yeah, finally the moment that she like almost tries to be human, and that's when humans are like, "What is this?" <laughs> that's not human. <laughs> Something's right. wrong with her. And that brings us back to the grizzly man thing and to the end of the film. And mm -hmm. I do want to talk about the end of the film in more detail at the end of the podcast. But it is that's the thing. The end of the film is that reminder. It's the moment she gets eaten by the grizzly bear. You know, it's the moment she realizes that, whether she realizes it or not, the audience, we realize that these animals, that, you know, she's tried to go native to some degree. She's tried to, to live with the grizzly bears. She's tried to be a human. Because I think on some level, there's been this perception that humans are these cute, harmless things, or there's this kind of internalized dementia of like, oh, I can be human, you know, this kind of internalized like delusion or this just weird desire to become that thing. And like I said, any other movie that pays off, she becomes human. In this movie, no, humanity, humans are dangerous fucking animals. <laughs> and she ends up being the victim of that. You know, she, she ends up meeting the dangerous grizzly bear and dying as a result. 
and and the film doesn't shy away from that. The movie, the film doesn't shy away from the fact that human beings at their core, on some level, are shitty, dangerous, instinctual animals. And, and I, I like that, you know. And and Herzog, who has this great monologue about what nature is, in the documentary about the making of his film Fitzcarraldo, the documentary is called burden of dreams and he goes on this long beautiful tear about just how like horrendous and shitty and predatory and nasty and awful nature actually is <laughs> and you can see that then in grizzly man uh in his approach to it and you can also see it in this film which isn't a herzog film but this sense of that same inherent like like Hobbesian view, nasty, brutal, and short view of nature applies to human nature as well. And I like the fact that that film, the film did that and didn't end on a humanistic note like so many shitty sci-fi films do. Cough, arrival, cough. <laughs> I hated that fucking film, by the way. <laughs> Thank if you. If you really want um, to do a film that won't be necessarily a misery movie in the abstract but which will make me miserable we can watch arrival and then you can if you thought that hard candy sent me on a tirade just <laughs> and, anyway oh shit Got i loved arrival what I, it was i did not aj did you no. see arrival or are you just trying to get no, me no i didn't see the movie <laughs> <laughs> i saw it <laughs> And it's just critical darling too. And I no, we're not gonna go there. We're gonna <laughs> <laughs> So is there anything else anyone else wants to talk about or can we talk about the man at the end? Let's do let's, that. Yeah. Well actually quickly Will. one thing, let's do Will. let's do favorite scenes because I did promise that we were going to oh. talk about individual scenes and there's at least one scene that we haven't mentioned that's probably my favorite scene in the movie uh but like do you guys have any favorite scenes you want to talk about we'll do that and then we'll do the ending and then we'll call it a day i know we, we're running long long yes he wants to go first well my favorite scene was the cake scene so i'm good okay we got <laughs> the cake scene out of the way okay sarah my favorite scene is the beach scene uh oh there we go. That's mine too. So let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, I thought I just thought it was weird that she was just ended up there. <laughs> and there's this guy in the water. And she I guess she decides, oh, this is my next victim. And he does not seem interested at all. She's asking, Oh, where are you from? He's like, why are you here? He's like, I d I don't know, because <laughs> and then yeah. and then and then you realize in the background there's this family, they have there's the parents and their baby, and they have a dog. And you realize the dog got too far into the water he's being taken taken away and the mom's in there and shit's going down so scarlett johansson's you know intended victim goes out to try to rescue i guess the dad right the dad yeah the, well the mom gets caught in the riptide and pulled mm -hmm. out to sea and the dad goes after her mm -hmm. uh, you know because it's his wife and he's gonna save her he's, he's irrationally convinced this this is a very once again this is a very dispassionate scene, in the way it's framed, which I really like. <laughs> but you can tell there's so much actual horrifying human emotion going on under the surface. Anyway, the dad goes out to try to save the mom, <laughs> but this the the Czech 
guy who's like like clearly swimming is or surfing or whatever nautical sports are his thing <laughs> right so he's assessed the situation already he knows the mom's fucked and he sees the dad going out to save her and he's like okay i, I i'm gonna go and grab this guy and pull him back to shore which he succeeds at doing that but the guy's like fuck you i'm gonna save my wife and knocks him down and takes off back to try to save his wife and of course so he gets caught in the riptide he gets taken away and he drowns and the czech guy is left passed out on the shore and their infant or toddler i guess baby is left on shore completely defenseless anyway that back was, to you sarah that was the um i mean that scene was so for me i'm just screaming inside save the puppy i don't care about anybody else in the scene just save the puppy <laughs> and uh, obviously everybody died except the baby and that was the, and the um, baby does eventually too. Well, well, we don't know that, but we don't know if anybody ever found it. But that was the because then it's hours later, and motorcycle man comes, and I guess he's cleaning up things to take away any evidence. Yeah. And the baby is just there, but it's still crying and everything. And that was just it, that scene to me was just so perfect. <laughs> but not only is the baby crying, but in that last scene, the tide is coming in. Oh right, you're right. And so, that's what's happening. So that that right baby. Is. Who also, is totally defenseless, can't walk, can't get out of there, can't save itself, has just been left both by and then by the motorcycle man. He's left on that shore for probably 12 hours to just mm -hmm. eventually get swept out when high tide comes in and drown. Right. And we, we know that they at least didn't find the baby dead on the shore because we hear on the radio later that the baby is missing. And the mom is. Oh, I, I missed that. Wow, but I totally missed the, that. They found the man dead, the husband. Mm. Right. I totally missed that part. Wow. Yeah, it's when she's in the van, one of those scenes where one she's cruising in, her, <laughs> cruising in her pedo van <laughs> and the radio is playing. Uh, what about the dog, Will? Did they find the dog? That's what I want to know. But I actually the dog didn't consequential. notice that, the dog. <laughs> I really didn't know that because. That was why the mom went out in the first place because the dog got oh, see, carried I away. I didn't yeah, catch she went out to, to rescue the dog and then she got caught and then the husband went out right. to rescue her. So they're all trying to rescue someone different and then they all end up dying anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, th that scene on some level is almost a, encapsulates it, the message or anti-message of the film, which is the danger of empathy. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. it's like it's like um, oh the, you know the old lady who swallowed the fly, or it's like when you give a mouse a cookie, which is that like the wife goes out to save the dog, the husband goes out to save the wife, and so the toddler drowns too. And like if any of those characters could have appraised that, and even the Czech guy, he goes out to save the husband even though he he know he, he's acting somewhat rationally because he's a good swimmer and he knows he can bring it back but he ends up fucked he ends up getting fucking brained with a rock yeah. and <laughs> off by charlotte johansson who sees her chance like oh hey um <laughs> when he's passed out on the beach there but in each instance in that scene empathy which you know we all feel strongly overrides common sense I mean, if that was my cat being swept out to sea, I'd probably do the same thing, you know? If that was my a member 
of my family, I'd probably do the same thing because you don't want to accept that they're gone and that you need to save yourself. And it's so the fact that that scene is almost almost should have served as a warning to her about what happens in the later later in the film, which is the fact that the same thing happens that you see kind of in that scene in a microcosm happens at the end of the film to her where she develops empathy and essentially ends up dead because she developed human empathy. And that, that's a really, that's a message you don't get in many films that like empathy might be a bad thing or a dangerous thing. Yeah. And, and, yeah. No, that, that scene was just so chaotic and emotional and like you said, human that that's why that for me was just the perfect scene. But also completely not human and not emotional. Yeah, exactly. She, nothing, her reactions were totally, totally emotionless. <laughs> and the scene is framed in a very emotionless way. Once again, you don't get any tight close-ups of anyone's face besides Scarlett Johansson's. And you don't get, you get kind of a close-up on the baby, but not really. It's frame, especially that that scene where the tide is coming in with the baby at the end is just glorious, because the the motorcycle guy is so oblivious to it. <laughs> he's cleaning up, he's just cleaning up. He's going, he's getting all the. In fact, he's just there to get rid of the Czech guy's tent and get his shit so that people won't be looking for him. He's not at all. In, the baby is just. He's totally oblivious to it. And in some way, the way all of those scenes are framed is almost totally oblivious to it. You have a very wide, neutral kind of angle. You don't see the wife or the husband in close-up really at all. You, you understand what they're feeling, but you see it from a distance. And the movie doesn't do any of the, th the emotionally manipulative things films usually do in an instance like this that tell you – Oh, we're supposed to feel badly about this. The movie refuses to do that. It just shows you. And because you are human, you do feel something. But you also understand that the movie doesn't seem to be feeling anything. <laughs> okay, okay. We can talk about the ending. What, who, what, what, what do you want to say about the ending? I'd like to first point out that um, the movie was very effective in causing in, – in making – that final man who is a man that she meets in the forest, like uh, some kind of lumber. Lumberjack? Like, yeah, like he had a lumber bunch man. of wood. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> but wood. they were very effective at making him seem like a rapist on first sight. Oh, he was definitely a rapist on first sight. Everything about him was, I was like, he's going like, to rape her later. The instant and then he's going to find out that she doesn't like, have a oh. vagina. That's a rapist. Yep. That's, that's now. What is it about? I I have a theory about. Well, not a, uh, what was it about him that cued you guys off right away to the fact that he seemed like a rapist? Because I have a feeling what you're going to say is different from what I'm going to say. But uh, the way he was talking, he was talking very fast. Uh, you know, he was his. He really almost wouldn't let her. Yeah, every, everything, everything. Women know when a guy's a rapist. Also, he he's bald. bald. <laughs> What's that? I, I didn't hear that, AJ. What? I said also he's bald. Bald men are usually rapists. That, that is a game. terrible no stereotype. No offense to our obviously 
bald listeners. I don't know. <laughs> we're also probably rapists, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. So this is what got me. He actually asks her, you write that tonally, he acts really like cagey and suspicious. But also, oh, yeah. he asks yeah. her, the, the same, same kind question. of question. Yeah, yeah, right. 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 Are you alone? Right. Yeah. It's a callback to the beginning of the film. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that I didn't even notice that. Like I, I noticed it, but I didn't even consciously um, process it. Process that. Yeah, I didn't get that the first time I watched the film, but rewatching it, I was like, "Hey, huh?" <laughs> that, <laughs> that that and that's so cool because it it's such a perfect inversion. Like at by the end, the humans you're reminded that humans are predators too. That humans are predatory, and you don't get that kind of uplift. Like there are two ways this film could have ended that would have been dumb and ruined it one would have been if they just just didn't do anything with scarlett johansson's character like eventually some guy just manages to overpower her and kill her and it's good that he did that because she was a predatory monster right that's one bad ending in which case this would have been i think i think this movie would be a lot more popular than it is because it, this movie would be like the quintessential like MRA men's rights film, you know, because it like the, the, like the idea that if this film never questioned the idea that Scarlett Johansson's character was purely predatory and calculating, <laughs> I, I, it would have like totally like reinforced that like return of King's view, like, you know, every woman's a manipulative bitch. And <laughs> You know, and it, that would have been the gender politics of the movie. And it would have been, it's like, it still would have probably been a great movie in a lot of ways, as long as you didn't try to make it about the gender politics of the film. But it wouldn't have been, I think, as effective or as complicated or as interesting. The other equally bad outcome would have been if this film had gone all the way in humanizing her and allowed her to either a um become once again become a real boy or a real girl if you had the pinocchio narrative where at the end she's able to become human and that's left unquestioned and it's that kind of redemption arc or if b she discovered she could never really become fully human, but she gains this kind of sense of understanding for humanity and empathy for humanity. And as a re result, she like sacrifices herself in the end, like to save one of her, one of the potential victims from the motorcycle man or something, or she ends up being killed by the motorcycle man. And it, and it's that kind of tragic ending. And the movie is pretty smart about setting that up and making you think that's where it's going. He's like after her, you, you know, you have these scenes of him driving and he's getting closer and closer. And you have this sense of building tension that it's going to end with some kind of confrontation between those two characters, between Scarlett Johansson's alien who has become human in some sense, and this guy who is still almost this kind of Terminator kind of figure, you know, who's totally 
lacks empathy totally what she was at the beginning of the film and you think oh those two are going to square off and in some sense the ending will be something that reaffirms our shared humanity and <laughs> and and lets us know that we're actually better than these aliens and that we actually like just having contact with humans would be enough to make these aliens better at some level more complete uh, but instead you you have you know a reminder that human beings are garbage which you know I like that. And by the way, we don't even know. The motorcycle man could have been going there to rescue her because he sees she's gone off the deep end and he needs to like, it's like, <laughs> you know, get her to abort mission and go home before she gets hurt or killed. He may know on some level what she's gone AWOL, like she's gone into the jungle with the dangerous animals and we need to get her out of the jungle. There's no, absolutely no, re the film does absolutely nothing besides to, to make us think that he's going to kill her when he finds her. The only reason we assume that is because we've seen how he's treated humans, <laughs> you know, hmm. but anyway, that's, I was, I was surprised that he uh, didn't make it to her in the end. I thought that was, that's where they were going, but they never did. So I, I don't know. Maybe he ended up finding her. In well, the he end does, end. he does find her, but by the time he finds her, yeah. she's burning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on the ending? Um, what did you think of the moment when, like, she took off her skin suit and was looking at, uh, in quotes, her face? And and the eyes move. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know, AJ, what did you think of that moment? Or Sarah? I thought that that was another moment where it almost became too much sci-fi for me. Of I would have, like, I feel that they possibly could have conveyed the same sense in some other way that didn't, like... Like, showing the alien form almost seemed to cheapen it a little bit for me. Hmm. Sarah? Uh, I, I think so, too. That, that lost me a little bit. But overall, though, as far as negatives, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. But I, I didn't particularly like that scene. And then when he comes over and pours gasoline on her and I'm, I'm just thinking that's your that's your first reaction really you're gonna set her on fire <laughs> i i like that part i i, really? I like well <laughs> dumped gasoline on her and set her on fire and that's because i could relate <laughs> <laughs> um i like that part because you know you get the like it's such an it's almost absurd like you know he's just tried to rape her and then he's seen the horror of like her skin peeling back and there's this void underneath and then <laughs> like you almost get the sense that he's going to feel like a hero afterwards <laughs> yeah i i just I gasoline on her yeah i killed this monster and then you know like just imagining him living life afterwards like he can't tell people about it <laughs> or maybe he can but he can paint himself in the light of you know a, a sci-fi hero yeah i'm not a rapist i'm a hero 
okay. and which is humanity. Yeah. Uh, as far as the uh, the scene where her skin comes off, this this is funny because in most movies I would totally agree with what you said, AJ, and also Sarah, that like. A lot of times I prefer what's not seen to what's seen, but I actually thought that was really effective. There was something about the appearance of the alien version of her that was really effective at being like uh, very clearly alien and inhuman, but also still having just enough humanity to it that we empathize with her when she that we can see she's panicked and we empathize with her when he douses her on fire by the way it's interesting that i've been i've been calling scarlett johansson's character her the whole time because it's not at all clear that these aliens have a gender that they're gendered or that she if they are that she's a female <laughs> but I, something about that it was just I just thought it looked really good. It, it was just in the per like aliens in movies usually look really cheesy. Like it, it's usually one of two things, either well, one of three things. Either they go too far in making them look really weird and alien, or they go too far in making them look human, like the aliens in Star Trek, where it's like they've got some ridges on their head. They're they're, they're an alien. Oh, this one has pointy ears. Uh, or they make them look like the conventional, like gray aliens that, like abductees, like have hallucinated. Uh, and the fact that this doesn't do any of that, I don't know. I, I just, I just thought that was really that was effective. I also think we needed that moment in the movie to reinforce the fact well first of all obviously because the title almost necessitates it <laughs> but also to reinforce the fact, like we've gotten very used to by that point in the movie seeing her as being on some level human even though we may know that she's not and to be reminded in such a stark way that she definitely isn't human i think was necessary and also the movie rations its visual effects in a really good way so that that doesn't so that that moment is actually fucking jarring and shocking because we haven't seen a whole bunch of that or really anything like that up into that up until that point so that's why i think it works personally that's a fair assessment okay anything else anything else we want to say about this movie the ending or whatever. No. <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> I will say that the final shot of the ash mixing with the snow mm. is gorgeous. I don't have anything yeah. to say about it like from an analytical perspective, but that's a beautiful fucking shot. There's another <laughs> shot where it like overlays her sleeping form on um, pine trees that are swaying in the wind, and that's another gorgeous shot that I very much loved. This is a beautiful movie. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it, uh, is. Pre- it is. Uh, which is shocking, given its subject matter. Uh, okay. Yeah, hell, we're done, right? Yep, we're done. Yeah. We're done? Okay, so 
what we want to do, we'll see if we actually follow through with this, but we're hoping to do a series of Halloween-themed movie podcasts uh, starting next time, where we'll do some horror films, which, you know, it fits the misery tourism mold. And each of us is going to pick one, and we'll watch it, and we'll review it. And uh, we'll see what people's taste in horror movies are. <laughs> Should be interesting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess that's, that's it. Do you guys want to say goodbye or what, you know, what, who cares? <laughs> uh, yeah. Stay tuned Don't wait, no. um, interactions yes. between the friendly gang of movie reviewers. I'll just stay tuned for more dick movies. More penises. I, I wonder how, we, we have uh, had a pretty good run, run of, uh, penis movies. We, <laughs> we, we really have. I think, uh, out of the 10 films we've done so far, three of them have included penis footage, at least. <laughs> and uh, another one of them was had a had a faux castration. So we've really we've really gone um, whole hog, haha, on the penis thing. That's that's great. That's fantastic. Okay, fuck it. We're done. We're done. We're, we're, fuck it. <laughs> I can't decide, should I dance or should I die? I, I can't decide.